Don't turn it off now. You need this stuff. Tampa Bay's Tantalk Radio Network. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt, at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make the bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. My name is Scott Wallenberg. I work for Racer X Magazine. I'm Tim Kennedy. I'm a forester, but I also work for the AMA. Tim's at every Supercross race, so you'll see him on every live broadcast waving the flag in usually the most dangerous section of the track. So we, we started this eight years ago. Our first event had 67 riders, and it's just grown from there. And now we have these special guests like Pierre Carsmakers from Holland and Lars Larsen from Sweden, Mike George from the UK. But we know that Boise, which is the biggest uh, city in the middle of nowhere in the United States, that it's a haul for people to come here. It's a little bit of an effort. What it is for a lot of people to be able to go back in time a bit and ride something that you rode as a teenager and the the, the smells and the sights of these old bikes that you haven't seen or, or heard in such a long time, it does really bring you back and that was our whole thing is just a fun event. So we thank you for being out yes. here. Well, hi. I'm Lars Larsson. I'm from Sweden, but I do live in this country. I came here in 1967. The uh, Husqvarna factory brought me over for a year. I had a, a work for a year, but I'm still here. And uh, today we're in beautiful Boise, Idaho, having fun on motorcycles. Uh, I will be 74 years old this, this summer, and, uh, but I've only been riding for 56 seasons. So I have a little ways to go, I guess. <laughs> These bikes that we're riding up here are, you know, I am riding a 1981 Husqvarna and you cannot in any way, shape, performance compare them with modern motorcycles and, uh, you know, I usually ride modern bikes so we call these bikes Grenadines, but uh, they're very fun to ride. And uh, you just have to be a little bit careful where you put the front wheel on the track. You thank whoever is up there. Every morning you open your eyes and every day you can put your body on a motorcycle. That's good enough for me. I'm Pierre Karsmakers. I'm uh, from Holland. I was uh, put in the Hall of Fame last year, October, in Orlando, and I met uh, Scott Wallenberg there. And Scott, we were talking about uh, our uh, achievements in, in, in sports. And then I said, Pierre, um, we have a nice uh, race in Boise, Idaho. Next year, uh, are you willing to uh, join us? I said, sure. So uh, even took care of all the arrangements for me to fly over from Belgium and uh, I'm here now for uh, 10 days and uh, it's great. I'm really enjoying it. And today it's very nice weather, the track is super, so we're going to have a good time. So the Yamaha YZ490 I'm racing today. I raced uh, professionally in uh, the late 70s 
and uh, I'm really uh, enjoying it uh, to be back on my old bike again. My name's Mike George. I'm from London. I live in London, just south of uh, Heathrow Airport. And uh, yeah, I probably compete now four or five meetings a year, just vintage racing. I'm racing number 35, which was the uh, same number that I raced when I came over in 1972 for the Inter-Am series. That's 40, 43 years ago, so it has been on my mind for the last two or three years to come back. It was my first ever race when I was in America. I was only 20, uh, 20 years old. And I came over with Dave Bickers and Stuart Nunn as a team. CZs in California gave us the bikes. And uh, it's been on my mind for a long time. I packed up racing in 1978, and when I started a couple of years ago, I had this sort of dream in my mind to come back to America, to go back to the same place where I did my first race. On the same bike, same shirt, you know, just different age group. <laughs> from Dublin, California, motorcycle builder and designer, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, listeners, welcome. You're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and I'm your horse show host, Robert. Running computers in Google, chattalk1340.com, and you can see... My horse body here at the studio. And don't forget to check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. If you've missed any of our past shows, be sure and check out Nostalgic Getting Cars, the podcast page. At least I almost hit a high note there. Bobby, why don't you go ahead and fill in the rest of the social media stuff yeah, for us? This is, this is radio. you got to at least be able to talk to do this. <laughs> So, um, check out the podcast, Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Uh, find us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Periscope, uh, with Twitter and Periscope being at NRC on air. And be sure, check out Tantalk1340.com, like he said, so you can uh, see them live, because at least you can see them if you can't hear them. <laughs> you know, I might zoom in so he can, uh, so you can uh, see your mouth moving, and then maybe that'll help. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, the, the running joke used to be, hey, he's got a face for radio. That's one thing to have a face for radio. But if you don't have a voice for radio, you got a real problem. Listen. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, okay, so welcome to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Now, let's just go right into the Speed Culture Minute because I, I want to go about some, talk about some of the stuff that's going on this weekend. Obviously, last weekend, I don't know, what did we do last weekend, Bobby? I can't even remember. I know the weekend before we had the big uh, Speed Culture Car Show over at uh, Best of the Bay at uh, Quaker Steak and Lube. And, of course, every Thursday is Quaker Steak and Lube. Every Friday is... Um, it's Biff Burgers and stuff. And there were some car shows in Orlando. Now, if you want to find out about where all the car shows are, definitely check out Speed Culture, the Enthusiast mobile app. If you go to the website, speedcultureapp.com, you can find out all the information. However, if you're really smart, you're really clever, you can use your phone and download the app. The app is available on your at your Play Store, right? Yeah, Speed that's Culture. a really smart idea. <laughs> and uh, you can go to the Apple Store as well and download it on for your Apple device, mobile device. Now, the uh, this weekend is... Um, on Saturday is Cars and Coffee or Reeves Import Motor Cars. You will have the um, Garage One Cars and Coffee shortly thereafter, following over at uh, Gene Teston's place, Garage One. But the big deal this weekend is Riding into History takes place this Friday and Saturday, all day Saturday, provided weather cooperates to some extent. But there's a big celebration for all us guys with vintage motorcycles. Now, it takes place at the World of Golf in St. Augustine. This is a huge event. This has been going on for a number, a number of years. Now, I've never actually been able to make that. Normally, in the spring, they have, um, speed, as well, part of Speed Week, which is the racing for cars and obviously motorcycles as well, is uh, Speed Week. Well, they have like a big motorcycle auction, uh, swap meets, all kinds of stuff going on. They're scattered all over the North Florida area there, North Central, Northeast Florida area. So it's basically like from Eustace, there's uh, bike events going on. Daytona obviously has got the big bike stuff going on. And at Deltona, at, in, or not Deltona, in Deland at the university there at Stetson, they used to have the auction. Now, I don't know if that's still going on. But the reason we're talking about this is because yours truly was invited to bring one of his vintage dirt bikes there. That particular one that I'm going to bring is a 1972 Husqvarna. Okay, if you heard the gentleman earlier talking about it. Oh, actually, later they'll be talking about that. But a Husqvarna 
and uh, some guys say Huskies for short, 250YR, which is a wide ratio. It's close ratio, wide ratio. But this is a bonafide dirt bike. Now, I've had this bike for a number, 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 number of years. But the neat thing about the concourse is you don't have to have perfect bikes. You have to have original survivors, which is the category my bike falls into, or you have perfectly restored bikes or just daily drivers, you know. So, But it's all vintage. It's spectacular. There's hundreds and hundreds of bikes. Now, this year, the Grand Marshal is Malcolm Smith. Malcolm Smith is probably the most legendary motorcycle rider in the country, particularly in the United states most notably because he just tears up the baja 1000 all the time when he competes in that and there's different races that take place down in baja california and we actually tried to get malcolm on the show this evening he was scheduled to be here but uh he's apparently playing in the sand pits down there in uh in baja california so uh, we called his uh, shop out there in uh, riverside so anyway we're gonna have another gentleman coming on from one of the magazines we're gonna be talking about his escapades with motorcycles, vintage bikes, and racing. He's also been involved with writing in the history. But he also recently, or within a few years, wrote a book about Malcolm Smith. Okay, so Malcolm Smith also raced and set all kinds of records on Husk Varnas. Therefore, the one of the featured bikes is going to be naturally Husk Varnas. So we're dragging ours over there. Hopefully we'll get him to autograph it. No, and your show's great. <laughs> My show's great. Hey? Thanks. So anyway, so that's what's going on. And if you caught the beginning of the show, we had uh, we played a little bit of motorcycle stuff. And so we got kind of a motorcycle theme this evening, don't we, Bobby? Oh, yes, we do. You want to give us a sample of the sound effect we got for this evening's show? Can you do that somehow? Well, I I mean, at some point, I think I'll... uh... Yeah, you'll do that. I'm on the phone! (laughs) Sorry, did not mean to interrupt you. Anyway, okay, so that's that. Okay, how about a big couple of big shout-outs? Again, writing in the history is huge. It is a huge event. It's a big deal. Our good friends, uh, Herb and his crew down there, Scott, Scotty, his wife, everybody, is going to be up there. Okay, so a big shout-out to Dime City Cycles. If you're into vintage bikes, now they were at Festivals of Speed, and they brought down a number of their cafe racers. They're into taking Hondas. okay, and building them kind of retro style. And cafe racers, you can Google them, and I think there's a group in uh, North Florida and uh, so cafe racers, cafe bikes were basically the road bikes, the road race bikes of the bygone era. And uh, now you guys are familiar with sport bikes, you know, like your Panigales and your, which is a Ducati or your R1 Yamahas or, you know, some of the other bikes that are out the Aprilas and stuff. And of course, Suzuki has theirs and everybody's familiar with the, uh, the, uh, the, 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 what's that thing called? The funny little um, Japanese bike, the Suzuki one is real fast. But anyway, the sport bikes of today are kind of like modern-day versions of what cafe racers would have been back in the old days, you know, okay. before, yeah, okay, before the days of MotoGP. Let's see what else. So anyway, so we're going to be talking about bikes tonight. But anyway, so we got a, we got a really interesting guest coming on a little bit later, and uh, that's probably all I can say right at the moment. Bob, you get somebody on the turntable right now because I got a yeah. cough. <laughs> and I want to do that during the break. So we I think got some Marshall Tucker band coming right up. We got here. some Marshall Tucker. All right. Good old Marshall Tucker. And if, let me see. Oh, Fire on the Mountain. Now, that's a good song. You don't hear that one. It doesn't get a lot of play time. Keep in mind, if you tune into Nostalgia Getting Cars, which you are, we cover cars, boats, motorcycles, interesting people, most legendary and fascinating names in motorsports. Don't forget to tell all your friends about it. And the music that we play here is pretty groovy, far out stuff. And it's not the typical, you know, it's mainstream artists, obviously, but the music's the stuff that was. You know, kind of cool, but didn't get a lot of airtime for some reason. I guess because the DJs didn't get paid enough. But anyway, this is a cool song. Hey, you're tuning into Nostalgia Great Cars. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. From five to five Selling everything we found Just to stay alive Gold flowed free Like the whiskey in the bar Sin was the big thing Lord and Sin was star And there's fire on the mountain Lightning in the air Gold in them hills And it's waiting for me
Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt at the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Frustrated looking for car shows? Want the latest in automotive news? How about videos and podcasts? Well, check out Speed Culture, the comprehensive automotive app now available on Google Play and the App Store. Speed Culture brings you motorsports event listings based on your current location. Speed Culture also brings you the latest news feeds, videos, podcasts, and more. Speed Culture, the automotive enthusiast mobile app. For more information, check out speedcultureapp.com and download it today. This is Robert from Nostalgic Video and Cars, here to tell you about Bellador's Pizza and Pasta, where the food is fresh, the sauce homemade, and the price is fantastic. They offer Chicago-style stuffed crust pizza, New York-style pizza, calzones, strombolis, pasta entrees, beer wine, and great desserts. They even make their bread fresh daily. Hey, they offer catering, and any order over 10 bucks delivery. So give them a call at 727-581-5000. Place your order now. They're located at 131 Clearwater Lager Road near downtown Largo. Or visit their website, belladorspizza.com. This is Richard Rawlings from Gas Monkey Garage, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio in Cars. So get you some of that. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio in Cars. Now, if you notice the backdrop music on that one, or music sound effects, was dirt bikes, because we're into bikes tonight. Anyway, the bike that I, I couldn't think of it a little bit earlier, but it, what it is, it's a 1300cc Suzuki Hayabusa. And I think right now that bike kind of holds the record. Um... But anyway, um, our guest coming on a little bit, he's a pretty interesting guy. He's uh, also an author. He's a bike guy. He's uh, raced uh, dirt bikes and MotoGP, so he can tell us a little bit about that, I believe, if I got his bio right. Pretty interesting guy. But anyway, so I'm going to put a little more emphasis on our friends over at Dime City. Dime City does some pretty cool stuff. And like I said, uh, a couple months ago when we had Festival Speed, they brought a whole collection of bikes down there. Now, one of the guys that works there, Scotty, uh, we did an interview with him. He's a pretty cool guy. He really gets this stuff serious. I mean, he's got a 125 down there that... That bike's pretty fast. And they, Dime City, basically what they do is they make a lot of accessories for motorcycles. Okay, you can Google Dime City. Am I saying this right, Bobby? Dime City Motorcycles? Yes. com. Yeah, Dime City Motorcycles.com. They're right here in Largo off Lake Street. And uh, they do some pretty cool stuff. And they make a lot of accessories for guys that want to kind of customize or retro build their bikes to look like um, vintage cafe racers. The thing about Honda is okay is honda is very very reliable bike the parts source for hondas is also very very good that's one of the more important things i can cannot not emphasize is it's the same thing like cars you know if you're working on a ford a chevrolet or a chrysler or something like that plenty of parts gobs of it out there you know and that's one of the things that you got to keep in mind especially if you're on a limited budget you want to pick a car that you can work on that you can access parts and they're relatively inexpensive the same holds true for motorcycles so if you've got Obviously, Harleys, American-made, but they didn't really have any motocross bikes. What they did back in the 60s is they teamed up with Ermacci, which is an Italian company, and they modified some of their bikes for the U.S. market to compete with the European and Japanese bikes of the day. So they had smaller CCs, you know, 50 CCs, 65 CCs, 70 CCs. And uh, 100cc bikes, 250ccs, 125s, 175s. Actually, they had a whole bunch of them. So, um, and and the Harley lightweights or small board bikes, we call them, okay, are actually relatively collectible. But the more popular bikes, obviously, is Yamaha, Honda, Yamaha, and Suzuki, and probably in that pecking order. Okay. Oh yeah, I forgot Kawasaki too. But there's a lot of no-name brands that are out there. Um, there were some other vintage brands that were pretty cool, which were CZs. You had Montessas. You had um, Boltacos. Also, you had uh, KTMs, Makos, Pooch, Benelli. Uh, who else? Turned Up. And, of course, my favorite, Can-Ams, just to name a few. And I might add that many of these vintage European bikes are extremely collectible today. 
Bobby, you're motioning to me. What's up? Yes, um, and another big thank you to Habitat for Humanity Restore Pinellas Park. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Glenn. Very good. Located at 13355 49th Street North, Clearwater, Florida. How about a big shout out to our friends over there at Bay City Signs and Printing over in Tampa? Because we guys, we, us, will have some new t-shirts here in a short short. We have now worked a deal out with them. We kind of rounded up all our, our artwork, let's say. we got to kind of organize a little bit. So we're coming out with our... Our very, very popular Gas of 57 Thunderbird on our new shirt. So as soon as we get those shirts out, because we've had a lot of requests for those, we've also got some decals coming and some other cool stuff that's pertaining to nostalgic radium cars. Also, we've got a very, very noted artist doing the new artwork for Gulfstream Motorsports. So and we'll keep that a surprise, but by the end of the month, we should have that. And we will also have some new Gulfstream Motorsports T-shirts as well, as well as logos and decals. Now, Bay City Signs and Printing, Susie over there does a great job. If you want to give them a call, it's 813-886-4440. A big shout-out to our good friends at Bellador's Pizza. That's 727-581-5000. Great pizza, great Italian food. You know, we're there every week. Excellent food. A big shout-out to our good friends at Rib Shack Barbecue. Again, their number is 727-501-9090. 727-501-9090. And, of course, somebody that may be hooking up with us here pretty soon, our new friends, Pete and them, over at uh, Denny's on Missouri Avenue. Because generally after Tuesday night, if we're not over at Naughty Nancy's grabbing a bite to eat and listening to some music, we're going to run down to Denny's on Missouri Avenue. Okay, so here's a shout-out to you guys over there. Now, Bobby, why don't you go ahead and ring up our guests. We're going to play a little music, and we'll be back in a few minutes with our special guests for the evening. In the meantime, you are tuned in to Nostalgic Green Cars for the most fascinating and legendary Names in motorsports. This is Bruce Brown. A few years ago, we made a film on surfing called The Endless Summer. We've made a new film about another great sport, motorcycling. You'll see some familiar faces and meet some new ones, like Malcolm Smith, the king of the Sunday riders, and Mert Lowell, a professional racer whose world is fast and sometimes violent. Whether it's the spectacle of professional racing or the joy of a ride in the open country, we found the sport of motorcycling something very special.
Hi, I'm Pat Simmons from the Doobie Brothers, and you're listening to Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Okay, we're back, and it's time to introduce our special guest for the evening. Normally, I go into length of detail, but I'm going to have to keep this one short because I'm just struggling with my voice this evening. But anyway, I'm delighted to welcome this gentleman on our show. He's a uh, He's been an editor for a number of motorcycle magazines over the years. He's also written an autobiography in conjunction with Malcolm Smith, okay, the uh, legendary uh, gentleman that just tore up the Baja and uh, all the other race courses around the world on Husk Varnas. Uh, I'm delighted to welcome, and he's a motorcycle rider himself. Now, I stand corrected because I said MotoGP, but I guess every day is. Let me stand corrected and say motorcycle road racer as well as vintage dirt bikes. But I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Mitch Byrne. Mitch, are you there? I'm here, Robert. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on. So uh, give us a little background on yourself because you got a really, really cool, uh, you know, some interesting stuff going on in your uh in your uh, Wonder Bread days here, to get you up to the point where you're at right now. <laughs> uh, that would take probably hours and hours, but uh, I guess I could give you the condensed version. Um, you know, grew up in the early 70s, was born in 62. By the early 70s, I got a couple of little little Hondas, an SL70 and an XR75, rode those for a couple of years. Started motocross racing in 74 on that XR75, and went through a whole bunch of Yamahas, YZ100s, YZ125s, YZ250s. Um, got out of high school and moved to Salt Lake City, Utah to go to college. Stayed involved in motorcycles, worked in shops, started riding a street bike. Had a GS1000S Suzuki, GPZ 550, 500 Interceptor, RZ350. Got out of school in 85 and immediately landed a job with Motorcyclist Magazine in Los Angeles. Uh, moved from Salt Lake to L.A. Uh, and just started living the life of a magazine guy, which was uh, kind of a dream come true and Looking back on it, it almost doesn't seem real at this point. It was uh, 31 years ago, almost 31 years ago I went there, or here, I guess I should say, because I'm in L.A. now still. I was a junior staffer for a few years, four and a half years, and I uh, learned a lot. And uh, let's see, then Honda picked me up to work in R&D, and I did three years of R&D stuff for Honda, mostly on the street bike side, doing suspension testing and product evaluation and product planning, and I'd go to Japan all the time to work on prototypes and um Got sort of tired of the corporate grind after three years and kind of wanted to get back to the magazine business. And David Edwards, who was the longtime editor of Cycle World, hired me back at Cycle World in 1992. And I was his number two guy there for a whole year. And then Art Friedman, the guy who had hired me at Motorcyclist originally in 1985, called me and said, I don't want to be the editor anymore. I'm burned out. Why don't you come run the magazine and be editor-in-chief and I'll work for you? And I was like, whoa. So in 93... Uh, I went Motorcyclist Magazine and and basically ran that magazine for 14 years as editor-in-chief, and uh, we had some just fantastic years there and uh, some great issues and some great stories and traveled all around the world and road raced all over the world and stayed involved with kind of the whole vibe of the motorcycle industry. And until um, about 2007, same thing happened to me that happened to Art. I just got tired of the grind and the pressure. We'd gone through three buyouts. And, uh, you know, having to do that dance in front of new bosses every year or two was pretty difficult. And um, so I kind of dropped out and uh, kind of handed the reins over to Brian Catterson and uh, just started doing vintage stuff almost exclusively. I did a magazine called Motorcycles Retro for the for the company. And, of course, the economy took a crap in you know, 2008, and they killed it, although if they'd have kept it, it would have done really well. And then a couple years later, I started my own magazine, kind of an experiment. It's called Motor Retro Illustrated. And um, I've pretty much been freelancing since then and having a good time and having my own schedule. And uh, then we get to the Malcolm Smith book, which I'm happy to talk about also if you'd like. Absolutely, absolutely. Just let me let me jump back a little bit because this kind of interests me and a lot of people want to know about this because I do some writing for Sports Car Market when I cover auctions and stuff. But tell our listeners, you know, like, for example, when you, when you, when you were a staff writer, you're kind of like entry-level staff writer. You're just kind of like at the bottom, and they, they assign you stuff. So take us through the process a little bit, how, it would go, how you would go from a staff writer ultimately to the editor-in-chief and some of the duties and responsibilities associated with it. Well, that's a good question. Uh, I'll start even earlier than that. Um, you know, I'd been the magazine reader since I was a kid racing motocross, and so I had stacks and stacks of cycle guides and cycle and motocross action and dirt bike and popular cycling and modern cycle. A lot of you guys out there listening to the radio will probably be laughing right about now, thinking, I remember those magazines. A lot of them aren't around anymore. I did. But, <laughs> okay, yeah, absolutely. You know? I mean, I was a Roger DeCoster fan when I was 10. So, uh, By the way, interesting note, I'll, I'll take a little side issue here. 
I'm actually talking to Roger DeCoster about doing his autobiography right now. So that's an interesting thing that's kind of percolating. So, um, interesting. Uh, take another month. It yeah, may take another month or two to put it together. But uh, Roger and I have talked a couple dozen times in the last six months. So I've uh, gotten together a lot. Anyway. No, wait a minute. Let's go back. Roger DeCosta, real quick. So, for for our listeners, he he's actually European. He's what? Is he Dutch or from where's he from? He's from. Um, he's from Belgium. Belgium. Okay, so he's Flemish. Um, so, and he raced what? Was it Yamaha or Honda? He raced. He, he raced Suzuki. He he won he won his championships on Suzuki, but he was started out as a CZ rider. Oh, real CZ. Joel Robert. Okay. Yeah, CZ. Joel Robert. Uh, early seventies, he started riding Suzuki's. He won five world championships. Um. And then, you know, Roger worked for Honda for several years and kind of ran the motocross team. Then he was with Suzuki for a long, long time and developed all their fantastic riders. Uh, and then now he's with KTM, and they're on top of the world. So oh, yeah, he's K- a pretty serious, pretty serious force in the motocross world. And, uh, you know, Ryan Dungey just won his, I don't know how many championships he's won now. He just won the Supercross championship. And I think they start with the Outdoor Nationals next weekend or this weekend. Maybe it's this weekend at, uh, up, up in Northern California. And then in two weeks, they're back here at Glen Helen, and that's an amazing national to see with that Glen Helen track. Anyway. Do they still race at Elsinore? Uh, they have a different deal. They don't have the Elsinore Grand Prix. There's a motocross track right next to the Elson- to Lake Elsinore. Okay, right. It's a, it's a typical, you know, man-made motocross track, so it's, it's not uh, through the city anymore. But uh, we have a fantastic chapter in our in the autobiography on the making of Honesty Sunday and what was in it. And there's some unbelievable photographs that no one's ever seen of the Elsinore Grand Prix from that year that Malcolm ran. So uh, I encourage everybody to, uh, I guess I should give the, the book a plug here. We'll yes, go ahead. Go ahead. Plug the book. Um, the book can be had at Malcolm Smith Motorsports, and that's www.malcolmsmith.com. Uh, you can also get it at a dealership uh, because dealers can buy it through Tucker Rocky. Uh, but the best way to get it is directly through Malcolm Smith at malcolmsmith.com. Uh, and there's also a website where you can get a lot of information about the book. It's called www.themalcolmbook.com. Dot com. So Super. That out of your... All right. Now you're gonna, are, you, are you going to bring some of these books to the uh, writing in the history with you? They're they're already there. They're I think they they're six pounds a piece. They're huge. They're eleven by eleven inches, four hundred pages. They weigh six or seven pounds a piece. They're really really heavy. We sent a hundred out there. So there's going to be a hundred books for sale. Uh, both Malcolm and I will sign them. Um, and so you know we're just encouraging everybody who goes to writing in the history to. You know, bring a bag and a little bit of cash, and uh, you'll be able to get a book. And the book is amazing. It's 400, 400 pages, got 450 images, a lot of which have never been seen. I mean, we dug, it took us two and a half years to do the book. We dug through his entire personal archive. Malcolm had photos that he didn't even know he had. People had sent him um, negatives in, in, paper, in paper envelopes. And he, of course, never looked at them. He didn't have a light table or anything or a magnifying glass. So when we started going through his archives, we found some simply amazing stuff and the art director todd westover and i uh and malcolm and malcolm's wife joyce we just had a field day looking through some of these old images and we put a whole bunch of them in the book and we don't run them small they're big they're full page or across the spread black and white stuff from the 50s and 60s malcolm's roots um it's an amazing book um uh, the, the reviews we've gotten from davy coombs and from uh the los angeles times and dave to spain have just been over the top so um uh, you know i'm biased but I've written, I've, I've read hundreds of motorcycle books. I think this is the best one ever done. I really don't know of a better motorcycle book, and that's that's saying a lot because there's a pretty, there's a bunch of good ones out there. So uh, it's ten chapters and over a hundred thousand words. So it's a big, long read, and there's four hundred fifty images, and uh, that's a lot. So uh, tell us, take us to the pro. <clears throat> excuse me, take us to the process a little bit. Like, what is it like to to conduct an autobiography on somebody? That's a good question. Um, Malcolm and I started talking about four years ago, actually longer than that. I mean, I, the first time I ever brought it up, I was buying myself one of those little uh, digital recorders, you know, a little kind of long square horizontal thing, mm-hmm. you know, not like a micro recorder, but digital. Anyway, I bought two, and I thought I'll give one to Malcolm next time I see him, and I'll encourage him to write his own book, you know, because I wanted to read it. So I saw him at his, at his shop, and this was five years ago probably, maybe longer. And I said, Malcolm, you need to do a book. He goes, what's this? I go, just talk into it, tell stories. Just record your stories for posterity and at some point you can do a book and i saw him six months later and asked him if he'd done it he said nah i procrastinated and he laughed and gave us that stupid grin that he has and he laughed and i laughed and everything so i just kind of kept badgering him about it i wasn't really thinking it would be that he'd ask me to do it although i certainly had the credentials to do it i haven't been in the magazine business for 25 years 30 years anyway 
Uh, we were at Mid-Ohio at Vintage Motorcycle Days about four years ago, and he and Joyce were there, and they said, you know, let's go to dinner. And we went to dinner, and they said, we want you to do the book. And so little by little, we just kind of got started. Um, and it went sort of like this. I would just basically go to Malcolm's house in Riverside, which is about an hour and a half drive from me. I'm, I'm along the coast here in Los Angeles. And we would sit down for four or five hours, and um, we would just talk. And he would basically talk. And we would have sketched out what he was going to talk about that day. Like, like we basically broke it down into chapters, his early life, his parents, uh, his move to California when he was five, um, you know, his first motorcycle experiences, his first races, his first bikes, um, school, college, um, you know, his first job, things like that. But we just broke it down, and he just talked and talked and talked. And we did that for probably 18 months. Uh, two or three times a month I would go out there. So so I have, oh, 80, 70, 80, 90 interviews of two, three, four hours each of Malcolm talking. And I would come home and transcribe those, or most of those. Um, you know, a lot of what is spoken isn't really useful in the written sense, but uh, I took the guts of all of those conversations and just started writing chapters. And um, when I would finish a chapter, I'd go to Malcolm's house and we'd sit down and I'd print him out a, you know, a big copy so he could see it. Malcolm's 75 now, so he has to put his reading glasses on. But um, anyway, we'd go through it, line by line, word by word. And he'd go, yeah, fine, fine, fine. And then he'd go, oh, stop, I wouldn't have used that word. I would have used this word instead, so I'd make the change in the computer. He'd say, oop, you forgot something, and he'd, he'd tell me what it is, and I'd add it. Um, sometimes I would have added stuff that was obvious, but the reader needed to know it, and Malcolm didn't go into it just because it was too well-known. So I would do my own research and write it, and he'd go, oh, that's good, I like that. So, And then we'd come back a week or two later, and I'd, we'd go over the same chapter, and he'd go over it and go, yep, 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 all good, all good. So basically by the time the book was done, or written, I should say, he and I had gone through every chapter over and over and over again three, four, or five times. Um, so he was happy with all the wording and all the usages and all the stories and all the facts and all the years. Um, and by that time, it got really, really polished. And then and then you just have to meld it with the photographs, which Todd Westover had been collecting and Joyce had been scanning at home. And uh, little by little, the PD, each, each chapter kind of came together. At one point in Malcolm's house, we had this huge room. It was like a front living room. It was probably, you know, 25 by 25 or something like that, or 20 by 20, big room, and it was full of boxes, and each box had a big number on it for, for the chapter. And we'd throw photos into this chapter box and this chapter box and this chapter box. And after a year or two, we had, you know, 30, 40, 50 photos in one box, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 photos in another. And then we just had to go through and pick the best ones, scan them, and then they went to Todd electronically, and Todd laid the whole thing out, and then we would slowly but surely kind of go through the chapters and move things around and uh, and then once we got, once we got those set, we made printouts and we read them again and read them again. And, you know, it's just a, it's just a slow polishing sort of a thing. The words got a little better, photos got better, and then we started to write captions. And then, uh, two and a half years later, it was basically done and went to the printer. So, um, I mean, in a nutshell, that's kind of how the book came together. Interesting. And he was extremely receptive. He was, um, and we got each other's nerves and, you know. We got into some arguments, and, you know, there was a point where I thought I was fired, and, you know, then he called me back and goes, I'm sorry, and, you know, it was, it, you know, we were like a married couple for a couple of years. Well, was very, emotion, very emotional, too, yeah, it sounds like, too. But it was. It was, and, you know, he's, he's one of my very best friends, and, you know, I love his family, and they're very helpful, and, um, you know, his son and daughter, um, Alexander and Ashley, are now running his dealership, which is a huge dealership, so... Uh, they're doing a really good job. Malcolm and Joyce have kind of stepped away from day-to-day management now. So, uh, and Ashley and Alexander are like 32 and 31, I believe. So they're they're in their early 30s now and um, doing a really good job. But it was just a really really great process, and uh, and the book is just outstanding. It's really a coffee table book, but it isn't just pictures. It's got a lot of reading, and there's a lot of great stories in there. I mean, his parents were amazing. His dad especially. His dad was a Klondike, Alaska gold miner expedition leader. In the, his his dad was 80 years old when he was born. Think about that. 80 years old. I was reading that his someplace. Dad, and his mom his was like 30 was, or something? His mom was late 30s, mid-30s. Um, yeah, and she thought he was 50 because he was in such wonderful shape because he was an outdoorsman and an expedition leader and a gold miner and everything. He was 80, so he was probably 70, 79 or so when, when she married him. Wow. Um, she, didn't, she didn't really find out how old he was, really, until she was pregnant. And by then, it was too late. 
anyway, um, Malcolm's father was amazing. I mean, he he's credited with, I mean, they named towns and lakes um, up in Alaska after his father, Alexander Sandy Smith. Wow. And, um, yeah, it's amazing. I mean, there's like three towns that are named after him, Smithville, there's Smith Lake, there's all these places. He, he was in Siberia, he got uh, actually was held by the Russians for a while. Um, you know, he was dog sledding across lakes and just just an amazing adventure. He died when he was 99, and Malcolm was about 18. So, uh, really, the first chapter alone is is worth the price of the book. The book is only 50 bucks. So, um, yeah, it's it, it's it's an amazing story. And then, of course, he got Malcolm's whole life as a kid, uh, as a little junior racer. Well, you know, when he was you know 14, 15, 16, started out on a started on a scooter, Lambert scooter. Got a matchless 500 when he was about 16. Started racing that. Started working at local shops. Dropped out of college to be a real racer. And then he had an incredibly bad accident when he was 18, right after he graduated from high school, which almost had his leg amputated. It was broken. And femur was broken. Tib and fib were broken in like five or six places. They wanted to cut his leg off. And his mom, of course, had a fit. And she went to UCLA and found a doctor who would do skin graft, and they could repair it, and they did. Although Malcolm's body is pretty... Uh, Pretty screwed up now, but um, that's what happens when you ride motorcycles for 50 years with four and a half inches of rear wheel travel. So, <laughs> yeah, okay, I can relate to at that. At very, at really high speeds. At really high speeds through the desert. Through the desert, and you know you don't really know where you're going, and you know you hit stuff out of the middle of nowhere. He says he did so many uh, flying W's on that on that on those early Huskies that he says he just couldn't count them all. So. Uh, He's been through the ringer physically, and, uh, and you know Malcolm has Parkinson's now, which is pretty debilitating. And but he keeps he keeps up on it with meds, and uh, he's doing pretty well. So, uh, well, my his back is his back is pretty screwed up, so he's walking sideways these days. But he's he's holding up. Well, my my uh, my hats off to a guy like that, you know, because he, you know, he it's not like he abused his body; it was just occupational hazard, I guess, is what you would yeah. call it, right? Absolutely, and I think he knew the whole time he was just having so much fun and. Malcolm considered he just continues these days to look around and go, I'm the lucky scanner. I got to make a living out of what I'd love to do. And, uh, you know, in the movie, of course, really kind of turbocharged his career. I mean, he was already sort of famous from all his ISDT stuff and all his boss stuff, but the movie kind of kept him in the mainstream, I think. And, you know, that movie, and I know everybody out there is shaking their head right now, that movie continues to be so popular and so well done. Bruce Brown did such a good job on that movie. And, um, you know, I mean, Malcolm and I have done a whole bunch of book appearances over the last year, and uh, I, if I had a, if I had a nickel for every time somebody came up and said, you know, when I saw when I saw that movie when I was twelve years old, it changed my life. Seriously, I'd be rich. So it really had a big effect, and uh, you know, everybody says you know Steve McQueen was a big superstar, and he was, and Mert was great, but everybody sort of remembers Malcolm, I guess. I guess it was just that grin and his kind of do everything skill level, and. Uh, well, fun deal, so. the, the thing, and I remember interviews back in the day. I mean, Malcolm was just very unpretentious, unassuming, casual guy. It wasn't like he was boastful and he wasn't a real showman. He was just kind of like casual about it. I mean, you know, he some guys have a personality where they just stand out and jump at you. He was just a conservative <laughs> kind of guy. He's just all shock, you know. Yeah. yeah. Pretty impressive. Cool. Well, now, yeah. talk a little bit about um, did, did, how he had it. He actually had a pretty good uh relationship and friendship with Steve McQueen, didn't he? He did. Uh, in fact, McQueen used to bring his bikes because um, McQueen kind of grew up in San Bernardino area. He was at a boys' school there. Anyway, when he got older, he stuck around Southern California, obviously, and he had Huskies early um, and he was bringing them to Malcolm's shop to get fixed. So was Bruce Brown, actually. Mm-hmm. And so those guys kind of knew each other and uh, and that's why Bruce asked Malcolm to be in the movie. He kind of wanted the, the local do-everything sort of guy. And... Um, you know, you had a big superstar who raced. You had Mert Lawwell, who was a who was a defending champ, and then you had kind of Malcolm, who did everything: trials, scrambles, dirt track, motocross, desert, enduros. So you know, it was pretty, uh, pretty amazing. I, I was just, I was just kind of flabbergasted to get the job. And now that the book is done and everybody loves it, Malcolm's happy. It's it's really really satisfying to look at it. I mean, I every time I see a copy, I just have to smile. So um, it's pretty cool. Well, well, cool. when we get there, save me a copy, okay? I'll get, I'll get an autograph. Yeah, are, you gonna, 
Are you going to be at the event? Yeah, I was planning on it because I'm, I'm I've got an, a Husky 250, and I was at, and asked to bring my bike because it's an old school 72 WR 250 MX, and it's it's just like the way I ran it back 25, 30 years ago. Haven't you changed. Bring that. You should bring that to where we're signing books and put it on display or something. If, yeah, unless it's in the show. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, no, no. It's uh, it, well, I'm not sure where I can talk to Marina and see where they want it. I got right now. I got a uh, logistics issue getting it there, but um, it's funny because, and I want you to talk a little bit about writing into the history because I met these guys, I don't know, ten years ago, fifteen years ago, whenever it was, when it was kind of like it's at its inception, and I they were we we started talking about bikes at one of the shows, and they asked me if I had bikes, and I said, well, I don't have anything nice like this. I got old dirt bikes that I beat the crap out of when I was, you know, a kid. And they go, what do you have? And I said, well, I got a Can-Am, I got a Husky, an Elsinore, a KTM, a few things like that. And they're all 250s. And he said, well, you should bring them. And I said, but they're ugly. He says, no, we got a new class. We want these survivor bikes. And that's what it is. That's perfect. So, um, and I <laughs> never... take a break? Pardon me? No, no, we're good. I never, I never um, raced back in the day. Because what was interesting is in the 70s, friends of mine did. But after watching those guys get run over, puncture lungs, and wind up in the hospital, I said, you know what? I'm a recreational rider. I'm not going to go out and kill myself. I'm going to have fun. So that's kind of like my level. But today with the uh, ARMA, you know, guys with my skill level can still go out and have a good time and not necessarily be competitive, but just have a blast. You know, I've, I've raced ARMA since 95, yeah, road, road racing and um, motocross and cross country. And, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm too fat and old to race fast anymore, although I can go fast for about two laps, and of course I can't hang on anymore. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's you just get into the pack somewhere with somebody else and have fun. Have your own personal, you have your own personal battle. You get sweaty, you get sore, and he beats you or you beat him, and then you have a beer after the race. That, that's that's what that's what's so fun about Arma. And, you know, you can be around guys that appreciate the old stuff. You can see and hear and ride the bikes that you lusted after as a kid or rode as a kid or whatever. And uh, um, you know, at Mid Ohio in his motorcycle days which this year is going to be really special. I'll tell you about that real quick. Um, anyway, my son usually races my old YZ250 there at the Mid-Ohio race. Anyway, this year, a really special event is happening at Mid-Ohio in July. It's 8 through 10. Um, I, you know, I was thinking, I was talking to the AMA guys. I said, hey, why don't we do a, why don't we do, you know, because this year is the 40th anniversary of superbike racing, you know, 1976, 2016. So this is a big deal. Anyway, I told the AMA guys, I said, hey, look, why don't we do, why don't we gather five or six or seven pedigreed superbike racers, championship bikes, and I happen to know a guy who has like six or seven of them, um, and get those together, and we'll get a famous racer, someone like Wes Cooley, uh, to come be the Grand Marshal. And the AMA guy said, fantastic, let's do it. So uh, not not too long after we inked it. It's done. So there's going to be a big superbike display kind of celebrating the history of superbike racing at Mid-Ohio, July 8 through 10, at Vintage Motorcycle Days. And we're going to have Wes Cooley there as the Grand Marshal. And Wes Cooley, of course, won two superbike championships, 79 and 80. And Wes is going to actually do laps, demonstration laps at lunchtime on Saturday and Sunday, and maybe Friday, on the same GS1000 Yoshimura Superbike that he won the championship on in 1980. Wow. Which is really, really cool. Really cool. Now, which track are you going to be at? Mid-Ohio? Yeah, Mid-Ohio. Yep. All right, that's great. Well, you know what? Shelby meet is at, at Mid-Ohio this year. The National Shelby yeah, Convention. It's, great. it's a great place. And Vintage Motorcycle Days is huge. I mean, it's a, it's one of the biggest events I think they have there. And they get 30,000, 40,000 people to come. It's really big. And it's all vintage. It's all been it. They have cross country, road racing, trials, motocross, bike shows, beer garden, a huge swap meet, um, tents with OEs there, demo rides, and everybody's riding around on CT70s and SL70s and Indians <laughs> and Odakas and uh, Mini Trail 50s and Mini Enduros. And it's, just, it's just really sick. I mean, the thing is complete vintage immersion for three or four days. And, uh, it's a little bit like the Barber Vintage Fest, but a little a little more uh, a little more earthy than the Vintage Fest. The Vintage Fest is you know grass and concrete and beautiful, you know brand new facility. Middle House is a little older, a little more like farmland, but boy, it's a lot of fun. I'll tell you that. Wow. Hey, we got a couple minutes left, real quick. So tell us a little bit about riding in the history. Let everybody get can you give us an idea of what's going on this weekend. This is a fantastic event. I mean, you'll see. I mean, they they, they put the bikes around this lake at the World Golf. Hall of Fame, World Golf, Golf Village, 
and it's some of, they're some of the nicest bikes in the country. And like you said, they have brand new bikes. Uh, I mean, fully restored bikes. Um, they have original bikes that are that have been well kept and well pickled and well preserved. And then they've got, I think, what you said, this new class, which is probably survivors. And they have some patina, but I like bikes with patina a lot. Um, they're presented super well. There's a ride on Friday, which a lot of people go to. There's a dinner with the Grand Marshal, which will be Malcolm Smith um, that night. Malcolm and I are actually leaving to go there on Thursday. So we'll be there Thursday afternoon uh, in Jacksonville and St. Augustine. And um, it's just a really, really nice event. Lots of people. Like I said, we're going to have 100 books for sale. Um, and part of the proceeds go to the, uh, the military charity. I forget the name of it. You guys probably know it. And... Um, yeah, it's just a really, really nice thing. Lots of really nice people, super friendly. It's just one of the one of the really nicer events that I've been to. Um, and, uh, I, yeah, I can't wait to go. And uh, my buddy Bill Robinson is, is my direct contact there. And I was actually the Grand Marshal three or four years ago, so they've definitely stepped up the Grand Marshalism with Malcolm there over, over and above me. So um, well, we're yeah, looking- it's going to be cool. And get a chance to sit down and talk to Malcolm and get a copy of the book and uh, – you know, we're going to do Q&As, we're going to talk, tell stories, and we're going to go on a ride. Still ride. He doesn't ride a lot of dirt bikes stuff these days. He's got a he's got a new KTM that's been lowered. Uh, still got It's still a modern motocross bike, but he trail rides that. Still rides on the street a little bit. Um, so it's going to be a really fun deal, and uh, I encourage everybody in the area to come on down if they can. Excellent, excellent. Well, Mitch, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show this evening. It's Riding in the History, and the uh, the charity is Canines for Warriors is what it is, I believe. And, uh, yeah. Now, real quick, one more time. If people want to find out more about you and the book, how do they go about doing this? Uh, the website is themalcolmbook.com, www.themalcolmbook.com, or you can just go to malcolmsmith.com on their on – their, they have a, a big shop, obviously, a big store, and you can buy the book through the shop, and they're in Riverside, California. So just malcolmsmith.com or themalcolmbook.com. Super. Lots of information, lots of photos from inside the book, and uh, – you will never, ever, ever spend a better 50 bucks and get more motorcycling stuff out of that. It's uh, just a fantastic read. Excellent, excellent. Hey, Mitch, thank you very much. I want to thank my special guest this evening, Mitch Berm from, uh, well, the autobiography of uh, Mel Smith and uh, from uh, Writing in the History this weekend. Don't forget, it's a huge event, okay? Again, I want to thank all my listeners for tuning in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars this evening. Be sure and check out our website, GulfstreamMotorsports.com. Don't forget to tell your friends and yourself. Tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars for the most legendary and fascinating names in motorsports every Tuesday night on the Tantalk Radio Network, 7 to 8 p.m. In the meantime, I want to see some of you guys at the car shows. Don't forget to download Speed Culture, Mobile Enthusiast app. Check out Nostalgic Radio and Cars, the podcast. Stay safe, drive carefully, and love your family. I don't mean to be telling tales out of school, but there's a fella in there who'll pay you $10 if you sing into his can. Downtown Dave. I'm not here to make a record, you dumb cracker. They broadcast me out on the radio. WTAN, Clearwater, Tampa Bay. WDTF, Dade City, Tampa Bay. WZHR, Zephyr Hills, Tampa Bay. Listen. You dumb cracker. Ray